We are back again on the Coach T Podcast. I have a gentleman with me that has an incredible story and it's someone that a lot of people may or may not know. Um, the first time I heard about you, Chris, was uh, through ESPN, which I'm sure a lot of people initially hear about you and your story, and we'll get more into that. But I thank you for coming on. Uh, we were just talking about this before we actually started the episode. I just contacted you on Twitter, and, and you agreed to doing this. So this is awesome for me. And I know with your story and, you know, just the message that you, you are, uh, you know, giving to the public now, it's, it's inspirational and it's something that a lot of people can learn from. So without further ado, I want to introduce Chris Singleton. You're a native of Charleston, South Carolina. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Born and raised. Okay. Nice. Well, I was, I, I wasn't really, I wasn't born. I was born right outside of Atlanta. Um, okay. In, in, in Georgia, but I moved here real young. So I, I'm a Charlestonian for sure. Okay. Have you ever been to Michigan? I have. I've been to Michigan plenty of times. I played okay. in Michigan. Uh, I'm from Michigan. Michigan. Oh, really? Where, yeah. where you at? Um, so I was born in Pontiac, Michigan, with the, which is uh, about 45 minutes north of Detroit. Um, and then I was raised in Auburn Hills. So, Okay. I was just in Michigan at a school close to Detroit. I forgot the school's name. That's terrible that I forgot it. But I was there in February. Um, and then I used to play against a team called the Whitecaps, the West, the West Michigan Whitecaps, with a minor league team that I yes. played. Yeah, yes. I played against them a lot when I was playing ball. Dope. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's get into your sports side of things first. You were drafted in 2017 in the 19th round by the Chicago Cubs. You went and played two years or so in the minor leagues, and then you went on to do what you do currently, which is you're an inspirational speaker. Um, and you're able to talk about your story, which we, I've hit on a couple times. And I want to get into that now, because again, initially, I saw your story on ESPN. Um, your mother, unfortunately, was one of the Charleston Nine that um, was murdered in, um, in a church in uh, downtown Charleston by white supremacists, I will say. And that had to be I mean, that, that day always will ring with you. And that's something that has to be something that obviously has propelled you to where you are now, correct? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think um, looking back on that day, June 17, 2015, that day kind of sparked the mission that I'm on now, you know, teaching love, teaching unity, um, teaching forgiveness. Like, it all started from that day, right? And, and people, you know, it's a big thing right now about black and white and race war and all that stuff. Um, but this man literally walked in my church and tried to start a race war between black people and white people in the U.S. Mm. Uh, there's no way around that. He even said it himself. So I feel like that's why I speak about race so much and trying to get people to be united of different races and religions. Uh, even though I'm a Christian myself, you know, I, I still call everybody my brother and my sister, no matter what faith they're, they're part of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm a Christian as well. And, you you said something that was profound that I've always thought was interesting. Um, I was actually speaking with my mother-in-law about this, a devout Christian as well. And you said, you know, you, you choose you choose love over hate and you are forgiving. And in that moment, you were able to forgive the, the, the heinous act that happened um, with your mother and, and to the other eight as well. So how do you go about forgiving? That has to be something that is not the easiest thing to do. Oh, 100%. You know, forgiveness for a lot of people is the toughest thing they'll ever do in their lives. Um, and in me, with my life, forgiveness has freed me from all those emotions that I could constantly feel like revenge or, 
you know, resentfulness or whatever it may be, you could be thinking about that every day of your life if something like what happened to me happens to you. Um, right. Forgiveness is, has freed me from that ultimately. But yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough. You're talking about my mom, the, the breadwinner of my family, my everything. Like your mom is all you got. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like she, she's everything. So I understand when people say, you know, I don't understand how you can forgive somebody taking your mom away. But when they see the the, the power that forgiveness has, has shown me in my life, uh, they have no choice but to understand. Yeah, because I, I think when you hold on to something that it has happened in your life, it can negatively affect you if you let it sink in and you let it stay with you. You know, you, you don't wash it away and not to say you, you, you forget, but to be able to actually forgive, you let a piece of that go. And as, as you know, and I know you, you give it to God and you let, you let him handle that part of it, because that is something yeah. that is, it's a, it's a supernatural thing to be able to actually forgive someone because it's, it's not really innate in us to, to forgive, to actually have that act. But you're able to take that on from a higher power and that helps you live your life after that moment. You know, I love something you said just now um, when you were, when you were sharing, you said you, you can forgive, but ultimately you may not be able to forget. And I think that's a point that I want to touch on really quick because oftentimes we hear, you know, forgive and forget. And, and that's not the case, especially after you lose a loved one or you lose someone that was so close to you and, and the heinous act that I lost my mom in. Like, you're never going to forget that. You're never going to yeah. forget that pain. You're never going to forget that your, your loved one's no longer here. And so when people say forgive and forget, I, I, don't, I don't believe that to be true. But you can forgive and move forward in your life. You can forgive and move on to what you want to become or, you know, allow that, uh, that pain to become your purpose. Um, so you don't forgive and forget. Like you said, you definitely yeah. are never going to forget, but you can forgive. Let me state this, too. If, yeah. if I wasn't a believer... If I wasn't a believer a myself, different. man, it would be a lot different, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's no way in the world that a 20 – I'm 23 now, but at the time – You're young, man. I'm 33, man. So, <laughs> and to hear yeah, this, yeah. I mean, you speak like an old soul. You know, someone that has – you know, you, you speak like someone that is knowledgeable and you have a sense about you, man. So, I want to say that, Appreciate but go that. ahead. Thank you. Thank you. I get that all the time, man. People they're like, you what, 23, man? Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I hear it all the time. But – uh. Yeah, like I said, man, like when I was 18 at the time, uh, there was no way in the world you would tell me, Chris, you're going to forgive your mother's killer. Like mm -hmm. that, like that wasn't, like before this happened to me, there was no way in the world you were going to tell me that was true. That's how I know that, that God is, is, is real, that God was working in my life and Jesus was working in my life for sure. Yes, sir. Because there was, there was no way in the world that that would happen. But, but God used me to, uh, to, to, to show the power of forgiveness now. And I'm so thankful that he did so. Yeah. I talked about it, man. I was always inspired by your story and to hear you as, you know, 23 year old man that has, as mentioned, I, you have that sense about you that, you know, you're, you're confident in who you are and you, you know, you obviously have been through some things like, like we all have, but you can tell that you are, you have something with you that's walking with you. Um, you have a son, right? Uh, I'm actually going on. My wife is 36 weeks today. So wow. we have about you know, up. two to three, two to three, maybe four weeks, depending on how it goes. But um, fatherhood, man, it's got to be rewarding. Oh my goodness, yeah. So is this your your first little one coming out, or you first little one and it's a boy? So oh how is that? A boy's got to be crazy, go, man. <laughs> oh, it's it's amazing, man. I took my son to to daycare. This is a quick side story, real quick. I take my son to daycare because uh, they're just opening up 
back up due to COVID-19. Yeah. And uh, yesterday was my son's first time at daycare uh, without wetting his pants the whole day, right? He woke up okay. in the middle of his nap time and was like, nice, I got to go potty. Congrats. And so <laughs> we, we, we got him a McFlurry after school, man. And, and just that moment in itself, how can you not smile and be like, man, I'm, yeah. I'm a dad. This is amazing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You think a lot of what your mother taught you, you're able to pass down to your, to your son? Definitely, man. My mom was the most loving person you would have ever met in your life, right? You, you meet her for the first time and she's calling you cousin or something like that and smiling, giving you a hug and a kiss on the cheek or whatever it may be. Yeah. But that's how my mom was. Um, and I definitely want to be that loving soul uh, with other people going forward. You play baseball, as mentioned. Um, I actually play football. I never played baseball growing up, surprisingly. My brother did. Um, but I came up playing football, basketball. You know, the Cubs eventually had to let you go, and they released you in, in March of 2019. That transition had to be a tough one. I know for me it was tough. I was at, I actually played for the Eagles for a short amount of time, and then I was released from the NFL. And that transition, it was a hard one because you even said it. You played baseball for almost 20 years. Um, and I have played sports and football for, I mean, close to that. So to have it kind of have someone else say, Hey, it's over. No more, bro. You can't play like your time's up. It was something that was difficult. Let's talk about that for you. Yeah. And it's funny you say that. Um, one thing for me, uh, after my mom, you know, was killed and my, my, my perspective on life kind of shifted. I obviously was loving the game of baseball since an early, early age. But when I got into professional sports, I wanted to be known as more than just an athlete. So I actually started speaking a year after my mom was killed. I started speaking at different schools, uh, high schools, middle schools, colleges now. But I, I never, my, I didn't think of myself as only an athlete. And so that kind of helped me in the transition because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to go full throttle with my speaking, making an impact, uh, making my mom proud. But I had a ton of buddies because we released so many people uh, during that spring training that I was released in. And there were so many of my buddies that were like, man, what the heck am I going to do? I have no idea. And right. I found it kind of crazy because a lot of times as athletes, you know, we say, hey, I'm Chris. I'm a baseball player. You know, that's the first thing you, you say. That's all you think you are. And so right. if that's the case, sometimes you lose your identity. And when your, sports get, your sport gets taken away from you, you have no idea who you are. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and for me, you know, I was someone that, look, I, I did theater in college. That was actually uh, one of my majors. So I've always kind of saw myself more than just an athlete. I actually wanted to be an actor. My wife said, that's not happening. You're not going all the way to California to do that. But um, I always saw myself as more than an athlete. Uh, that time happened and, you know, the Eagles cut me. It, it was difficult. It was tough. Um, I, I've, un, you know, fortunately enough, I got into coaching. And that's what I do now. I coach and I train athletes also teach as well at, at a high school and I do this podcast and and for me I always saw myself more than an athlete and a lot of the reason why I do the podcast and I and I coach and I and I teach now is to showcase to young men and women especially minorities that hey you, you can do more than just sports um and 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 you can be more than just an athlete because yeah I have a lot of guests on here that are former athletes that still work in a, in a role in sports, um, yeah. but just, they just don't have the jersey on. They don't wear the cleats. You know, they, they actually, they're, they're the marketing team or they're a part of the social media group or, you know, they're, they're a coach or an athletic trainer or what have you. And, 
you know, you, yes, you don't necessarily partake in sports anymore, but your sports background helps you. And I, and I think with your inspirational speaking engagements, that's a lot of the performance of it. And, and I'm sure a lot of confidence that you had in baseball that now has poured over into your speaking engagements. Yeah, and, and even the work ethic. You, you're talking about right. being a professional athlete. You know how hard you got to work. Like, you, you're working harder than everybody else. You're trying to be that 1% of the 1%, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that, that work ethic transitions whether you become a coach or whether you become a, an educator or whether you, you, know, you start speaking, whatever it is, that your next avenue, you still have that same work ethic. I think that's easy yeah. for, for athletes to think about it like that. You know, when you used to wake up at 6 a.m. every morning to, to lift weights, now you say, okay, well, mm. I'll just wake up at 6 a.m. and knock out whatever the emails are. So when people wake up at 8 or whatever to get to work at 9, you're already two hours ahead of them. So I think it's all yeah. about work ethic for sure. Yes, it is. And it's, and it's overcoming adversity, which is something that you're big on. Uh, I was playing. I had, I had two knee surgeries, two ACLs, one in the right, one in the left. Um, and, you know, you could probably speak on maybe some adversity that you, you had to deal with when it comes to the sports side of things. Um, but that's, that's a um, – that's a passion of yours to talk about how to overcome adversity. What do you think resonates with students, let's say, more when you talk about adversity and overcoming it? How do you really present that, that message? Yeah, with, with students, a lot of times, first and foremost, I have to let them know that you're going to face it, right? At 16 years old, you, it may be all sunshine and butterflies, but they need to know that it's going to happen. And it may not happen in a year or two years like I did when, when I was 18. Or it may happen when you're 40 years old. We don't know when, but we know that it for sure will. Um, that's the first thing I, I try to get to get through to them. The second thing is that we we simply can't control some things, man. I I literally live my life. Yeah, you can't you can't control everything we, we go through. Like my mom, you know, passing away the way she was taken away from us. Uh, my father passed away not even two years later, and so here I am, mm. 18 years old. I'm trying to figure out, you know, what what's next for me? What what do I do? Or you know, how do I how do I get to where I want to be? not having my parents, you know, taking care of my little brother who was 12, my sister who was in high school, like, and I'm not even 21, you know what I'm right. saying? So, yeah, that part right there, I want people to know, sometimes we simply can't control what we go through, but we can always control how we respond to it, right? And that's where the reason why I've been able to be on ESPN and, and do the things that I'm doing now is because I, I know that it's going to happen to me, but my response to it will set me up for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah, and, and with your speaking engagement, you talked about it. A year after your mother's passing, you got into it. What led you to getting into the speaking engagement? Was that just something that was on your heart? Or did you have someone in your corner say, hey, you know what, Chris, like, talk about your story because this is going to help people? Yeah, no, not actually not at all, man. There, after my mom was killed and I was on ESPN, uh, there was tons of people sending me stuff. You know, Chris, we wanted to give you this award, this Perseverance Award, this Hero Award. And they were like, you know, you just got to accept it and give a three-minute speech. And I was like, nah, I ain't giving no three-minute speech, man. But right. I, I'll, I'll give you my address where you can send the award to. I appreciate it. Oh, so you didn't want to speak like that. I, I didn't want to do it at first, man. I was nervous man, about it. Man, you do right? such a great job now. Like, you would never even think. That's you said you were nervous was, about it. Oh, my goodness. I was crazy nervous, right? <laughs> like, the butterflies, like, your voice is wow. all shaky. That's how I used to be when I first started speaking, man. It wasn't supernatural to me. But then I realized, man, uh, first of all, you got to be yourself and don't be anybody else. That's one thing I learned super go. quick. Because a lot of times you're nervous because you're trying to act like something you're not. Um, yeah. The thing is, once I became prepared, and every time I go into a company or a school or whatever it is, I'm fully prepared. I know my story. I know what I, the, the, the audience wants to hear. I know what the person that booked me 
uh, wants me to get across. So after I have that information and, I, and, I'm, and I'm myself, yeah. that I don't longer get, get nervous like that anymore. But at first, it was that way. I actually had a pastor uh, in his group basically said, you don't have to be a preacher to preach God's word. And I was like, wow, okay, maybe this is a sign from God or something, you know, for me to go out yeah. there and speak. And after that, I ended up doing it at a, a conference down in Florida and got a standing ovation. And a lady said, Chris, you got to keep doing this. And I did. Yeah. And, and, and I think right or wrong, you know, and I'm love, I love that your pastor said that because I, I feel that way. And I'm not on the scale that, that you are in terms of the number of people that you reach, but we all have the people that we can potentially reach. And yeah. whether it's five or 500 or 5,000, you can, you can preach to people. And, and honestly, you could preach to them the right things or the wrong things. So no it's really your choice. But at the end of the day, if you choose to be a positive person, have a positive impact on others, you can, you can give them a good word. You can uplift them. And it doesn't matter if it's five or, or 500. You can actually do that. And I'm just glad you're able to do that, man, able to tell your story and show, showcase who you are. I'm still amazed that you're only 23, man. Like, <laughs> and, I know. I'll, I'll, man, I always say this. And you look like you're 18 still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is what I say, man. People are like, Chris, you're 23. You're so young, right? And I'm like, you, you got to realize that at 18, like I lost, you know, my mom. Yeah. At, at, before I was 21, I lost my dad. So I had all these responsibilities as if I was 30, right? And then mm -hmm. my brother and sister are living with me, two teenagers. And I'm like taking care of them. So I feel like in, in, in real years, I'm only 23, but in life years, I'm at least 40, bro. I'm telling you, I'm at least 40. <laughs> yeah. In terms of news and everything that's going on, you know, we all have heard about the uh, Ahmad Arbery story. And it's one that I'm sure for you, you know, kind of hits close to home because, you know, it's, it's in the South, it's in Georgia. And regardless of where it happened, it's just something that for minorities, especially Blacks like yourself and me, you kind of, you don't become accustomed to it, but it's, it's a story that you've seen play out numerous times. Um, and I know for me, it was extremely hard to swallow. It, it was gruesome. I never, I never watched the video. Like I never watched that video because that's just something I don't even want to put on my mind, but just talk about how that really affected you and maybe how you can even take that story and, and um, use that for a message down the line. Yeah, man, it was it was tragic. First and foremost, man, it was disheartening seeing that. I I, I personally did watch the video. Mm -hmm. um, I watched it. You know, it, it made it put a knot in my stomach. And and I, first of all, I, I'm one that that advocates against gun violence. Right? My mom was taken Same. away from me from by by a gun uh, by a man that actually walked in my church with eight magazines of bullets. Uh, to see him get gunned down the way he was uh, was disheartening. Was tragic, and especially. The, the reason or logic behind it, it didn't make any sense to me. And so no. I, I don't have all the facts, but I did watch that video and, uh, you know, they say pictures, you know, are worth a thousand words. That video was worth a million, man. And it was yeah. crazy to see that. And, uh, even though I'm, 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 I'm an advocate for forgiveness, I do think that a person deserves, you know, what, what, whatever consequence they, they may get. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? My, my mom's killer, you know, he's actually on the death penalty right now. And even though I've yeah. forgiven him, I think that he does need to be in prison or, or whatever it may be. You know what I'm saying? So it definitely wow. was disheartening, disheartening. Watch, watch that. Uh, but hopefully, you know, we can join together and put a stop to stuff like that as a, as a group, as United group. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you talk about unity, you talk about uniting. I absolutely love that because 
you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, we, we're all, my mom always told me there's one race, there's a human race. That's it. You might have different shades, different colors, but it's only one human race. And we all have to do this thing called life together. You know, you have your son um, and I have my son and we're going to raise two young black men. You want to make a better world for them because you want, you want to know down the line, they're going to be safe. Yeah, they may be judged for their color or, you know, certain things you cannot control, as you mentioned. Um, but the one thing we hope to, to make better for them is a safer world, right? And I know as, as, as a father, that is something that I, I'm, I'm big on and I'm big on unity and inclusion and on, on the fact that we can all do this together. We can make it a better world together. So I love that, man. Keep, keep going, man. Keep doing what you do. You have a book coming out which I'm going to have to purchase, by the way. I, I got to get that, but it's called Different. It's a story about loving your neighbor, um, which is great. I mean, that hits right on, you know, all the things you hit on. So talk more about your book. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm so excited, so nervous about my book. Um, I just opened it up for the first uh, 200 people to order. We'll get a signed copy by me. Yeah. And crazy enough, we already got those 200, but I'm like, man, I want to keep signing some more so we might open it up back, back up. But okay. it officially comes out June 17th uh, of this year, 2020, five-year anniversary of when my mom was killed, right? Wow. And that day for me usually brings a ton of, you know, sad emotion, obviously, and disheartening and, and, and family hopefully sticking around by me. Uh, but this year, hopefully, we can bring some smiles to Take faces, you know? Yep. My, yep. my son, I haven't read the book to my son just yet, and so I'm saving that for that day. So I That's may have it. some happy, happy tears, you know? So I'm yeah. super excited. The book is actually about a kid from Nigeria that moves to the States. He gets picked on, gets bullied, uh, elementary school student because he's different. And mm -hmm. uh, eventually, essentially, my mom is in the book. She's his teacher and says, hey, it's okay that you're different, right? That's what yeah. makes you special. Right. Um, so it's a way to teach kids uh, in elementary school that we may be different. Uh, we may have differences, may speak a different language, different country, different state, whatever it may be. But when we celebrate those differences, that's yeah. what life is all about. Yep. Yep. And it's, uh, I'm definitely, as mentioned, I'm going to get that book. Uh, my son, the actual due date is June 19th. So wow. now that you said that, I actually hope that he's two days early and he comes June <laughs> 17th. So I can celebrate with you on the, on the, amen. on that day. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So, uh, so awesome, man. You know, you, you obviously travel the country. Um, eventually soon you're going to be traveling the world, man. I'm, I'm going to put that out there. Um, you're going to be on every continent. You're going to touch every country there is. You're going to speak to the people, man. How is that? How is going to different places, speaking to people and getting that energy from, from the audience? Man, it's fantastic. I, I will tell you this. So uh, people see the glamorous part of it, of me being able to be on stage and be at different schools. They don't see the grind. It, oh, my goodness. And that grind <laughs> is real. That, them, yeah. them 5 a.m. flights are real when yeah. you got to wake up at 3.30, right? You wish yep. you could take your son to daycare, but you got to miss it. Then you yeah. want to be home because you had a date with your wife scheduled and something happened with your flight. Like, mm -hmm. like all that is real. Um, but, man, my mission is greater than my, the misery that it puts me through sometimes with the travel. Uh, but obviously right now, man, I, I haven't been on the road in like two months, right? At, right. The, at, at I think March 3rd was my last gig before I, everything had to be shut down. Uh, obviously, people are trying to reschedule things for the fall and for 2021, which I'm excited about. But yeah, this definitely put a hold on things, but it hasn't stopped my influence, man. I'm still trying yeah. to get on every podcast I can. That's why when you reached out, I'm like, man, I know what the Lord has put me on this earth to do and spread inspiration. And so if that, wow. if that avenue is different, 
I'll take whatever whatever you throw yeah. my way, Lord. Like I'll do yeah. it for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I, well, I appreciate that, man, because you definitely didn't have to do it, but that just shows the type of person you are, the character that you have that you're able to jump on. You don't know me from Adam. We could walk down the street before this and I would <laughs> I would know who you are, but you'd be like you would you wouldn't know who I am. You'll walk right past me. Um, but thank you again, man. Uh, we're not done just yet. In terms of, you know, what what are you interested in currently, right? You obviously have life outside of, of speaking and inspiring the world. Uh, but what are you interested in currently? Yeah, currently right now, man, I, well, obviously my family's my number one right now outside of speaking and, and, and doing all that stuff. But my, my family, my, my wife, uh, we, we've going on a little bit over a year. We just had our one year anniversary. Okay. okay. Uh, really cool story. We got married on Lifetime on TV. We got married uh, really? last year. It was, it, yeah, we did. It was a, it was a free wedding actually. A free I did not wedding know that. On Lifetime. It was crazy cool. Dream wedding okay. too. Like every, everything my wife ever wanted. We, Where we was it? To, to do. It was here in Charleston. They actually, they actually okay. built a venue. They built a venue on in the middle of center field at a field, at a baseball field. No. <laughs> yeah, bro. It's crazy, crazy. That is dope. But, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. My, my wife, my brother still lives with me. He's uh, 17. He lives with me and my wife. Uh, got my two-year-old son. But other than that, man, I'm, I'm a huge real estate fan. I know it's, it's even weird okay. for me to say it out loud. I, I love investing in real estate so i got a couple of properties that i'm invested in smart i love i love that that world um i always say if i wasn't speaking and making an influence there i would try to be grinding helping out people become real estate investors because okay. i know it's been able to help me and my family out a lot uh, so that's one thing I, I do love outside of my profession but other than that man i'm a huge sports fan i'm a huge lebron fan i've been watching this hey, the last thank you dance. thank you i'm a huge <laughs> lebron fan thank you i love jordan too but LeBron, Facts. LeBron is my guy. Facts. Okay, Facts. awesome. Me too. Me okay. too, bro. So I've been, I've been watching the Last Dance, like loving that. I, I love basketball. So I'm hoping sports get back soon. But uh, yeah. you know, obviously we got to be safe and all that good stuff for sure. Let's talk about baseball, man. Like for me, it was something that I didn't grow up playing. My brother did, as mentioned. I don't think it really has infiltrated the inner city just yet. And I know baseball has made uh, an effort, a concerted effort, to actually get into the inner cities. What do you think it's going to take to actually turn it around and get, you know, get more minorities playing the sport? Man, that's a fantastic question because that's the question that I'm asking some of our, um, you know, head, head officials in, in minor league baseball and major league baseball. And I will give them their credit. Like, they're, they're actually trying. They really are. Yep. I, I remember yep. I went to, uh, you know, I work for a minor league team when I'm out on the road. But I'm not speaking. I'll, I'll work for this team uh, in Charleston as a director of, of community outreach yep. and a couple times out of the year, I've been able to uh, help out with minor league baseball and their diversity and inclusion initiatives and, and seeing that they're actually putting different programs together to get African-American different minorities yeah. back in the sport really was comforting, man, because I, I was asking that same question, like, how do we do it? But then we yeah. have these different programs like the RBI programs and revitalizing baseball in the inner cities, uh, different stuff like that, that we're, uh, utilizing to get kids like me and you to start playing ball again. Mm -hmm. And I think we will. I think we will. But uh, as we, we got to, yeah, it's going to take some time for sure. Because back in the 70s, 80s, it was, it was what, we, yes, what we did. I think we were like 30% or something like that. Yes, sir. Baseball yep. was, was African-American. So we got to get that number back up. I think we're le definitely, definitely less than 10 now. And they make so, so much money. Not that it's all oh about goodness. money, but I mean, baseball guaranteed contracts. You can play, yeah. you could play for 25 years if you want. Like, 
it's a great sport, man. I've actually gotten more into baseball as I've, as I've aged. I just always have an appreciation for all sports. Um, but knowing baseball, knowing, you know, I have some baseball friends, um, some coaches that I know as well. I just know the work that they do. And it, it is a beautiful game. And, and it's, it's always sunny and nice, you know, and baseball just has a certain feel to it, which I've, I've always loved and appreciated. And, you know, growing up, I'm a Detroit Tigers fan. So Cecil Fielder was, was, was my guy. I always loved Ken Griffey. Um, there's a bunch of guys that I love, but I know for me, baseball has really grown on me. So I'm looking forward to it coming back soon. No doubt. Me, me too, yeah. bro, for sure. Yeah, yeah, awesome. What's one TV recommendation that you have? I know it's a lot of time right now to watch a lot of TV. So what are you binging? That's crazy, man, because when it when first started happening, I was definitely binge watching stuff. I think I binge watched uh, this this show called uh, – what was this show called? My, me and my wife were watching. It was something about, like, old-timey Game of thrones type stuff, but it wasn't Game of Thrones. I can't remember what yeah. it was, but it was on Are you a Game of Thrones TV. fan? Did yeah, watch I watched that, that one? whole thing when I was yeah. playing ball. Yeah, nice. bus yeah. rides and stuff like that. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, I, yeah, we watched that together. Um, we also watched, what is it, the Tiger one? What is it called? Oh, Tiger King. Joe Tiger Exotic. King, yeah. Yep. Joe Exotic. We, we watched that one. We binge watched that one in a couple of days, I think. We crushed that. Obviously, just watched The Last Dance. And other than that, man, I really haven't been watching too much TV over the last probably week or, week or two. I know a lot of people in Charleston are watching um, – Outer Banks, because it was filmed in Charleston, the Outer yes. Banks. Yep. So I know that's big. My little brother's on that. But yeah. I actually haven't watched too much in the last week or Probably two. Probably don't have the time, man. I know, I know things are, you know, slowing down. But I figure just, you know, your schedule and what you're used to, you're probably not used to watching a lot of TV, you know. I wasn't. So it was, it was actually refreshing for me to be able to sit down and watch some shows with my wife. Because, you know, we built a like, little home theater room in our house. So it was finally cool that we yeah. could actually use it for a while. So that was pretty dope. <laughs> right, right. You yeah. invest the money and time into it. Now you can actually use it. Finally, you know? and, right, yeah. And you get more family time, which I, I know your, your family is happy about. Um, so let's, let's, let's finish with this, man. Um, you actually did not receive these questions. Um, this is what I call the rapid fire segment. Uh, this is where you only have five seconds to answer. And it's a fun and exciting way to really finish things it. up. So I love it already. Ready? Okay, <laughs> go, it. go. All right, let's do it. So, all right, um, action movie or comedy movie? Action. High tech or low tech? High tech. It's going to be a tough one for you. Favorite city to eat in the United States? Ooh, I'll go, I'll go Charleston. What, what's Charleston known for cuisine-wise? Uh, uh, shrimp and grits. Shrimp and grits. Okay. How far yeah. is Charleston from – is it even close to New Orleans? No. Can't be. No. No. It's close, obviously, nah, South Carolina, so it's close to – what is it close? It's close to – Florida, in Myrtle, a way? No. Myrtle Beach, Florida, yeah, okay. depending on where. Uh, Orlando's like six hours, but, yeah, it's okay. not too far from uh, – But from you Atlanta's guys are... four out, Charlotte's three hours, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you guys got the Myrtle Beach, so you, you have the ocean – Right, so oh yeah, so we got a little beaches, bit of, of you got the seafood. Okay, yeah, it's okay. definitely seafood here for sure. Yeah, my wife always wants to visit, so I, we got to come check that out for sure. No doubt. <laughs> All right, um, do you listen to music or do you listen to a podcast? Uh, ooh, that's fifty-fifty, we'll but I'll I'll go podcast. Okay, cats or dogs? Dog. A walk on the beach or a walk in the park? Beach. If you had a boat. What would you name the boat? 
Ma. Ma. I love that. <laughs> I love that. What is the most useless talent that you have? Um, I guess this isn't <laughs> a talent, but I'm colorblind to certain colors. So that's not the opposite of a talent. Like what? Um, when I was a kid, I used to get green and brown mixed up. But I grew out of that one, so now it's more okay. purple and blue. Purple and blue, I get those mixed as, up. As a as a former outfielder, being colorblind, I don't know if that hurts you or helps you. <laughs> nah, it, it was only a certain color, so I was always good to go. Right, right, good. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, ten being the highest, how weird are you? Uh, I'll say three. I'm not too weird, honestly. Just a regular cat? Yeah, I ain't too weird. If you had a superpower, what would that superpower be? A superpower would be to be able to be invisible, definitely invisible. Now, have you seen that movie, Invisible Man? No. Came no, out recently. It's, it's a remake. It's about this invisible man that, you know, he ends up killing some people, but he's trying to get back with his girlfriend. It's kind of crazy, but you got to check that out. What is something that you are afraid of? I'm afraid of the scene in iRobot when Will Smith, uh, when they were in the car and Will Smith did save, but the other people don't get saved. I'm scared that'll be me and I can't get my family out of the car. That would be scary. That's my biggest fear, seriously. Yeah, yes. that's very specific. You understand exactly, like, I do not want this to happen. Exactly. All right, lastly, what is the most precious thing in your life? Uh, my family. Specifically, though, my little man, my, my, my two-year-old CJ. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, man. I know family means the world to you, and um, I'm glad you were able to do this, man. And uh, I thank you for the time. Um, I appreciate you, you you being able to be so responsive, man, and, and, and actually do this podcast. And I'm looking forward to getting it out and, you know, helping to spread the word of, of you and um, the mission that you have and all that you do to impact the people of the world. So I thank you again. Thank you for having me on, brother. When can people get more of you or where can they find out more about you and your book and all that you do? Yeah, everything, chrissingleton.com. Chrissingleton.com is where you can find all my links, all my social media is on there. Um, verified on the social media, so you can just look up csingleton underscore two and, and you'll find me. Okay, nice. I didn't ask, who's, who's your baseball team? Uh, I love the Yankees because I threw the first pitch out this year, but okay. Cubs drafted me, man, so I got to stick with the Cubbies. Cubbies, okay, Yankees a little bit, but Cubbies, okay, awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm actually, my wife and I, I know I mentioned Michigan, but we actually live in Northwest Indiana. And that's like, it's essentially a suburb of Chicago. So you get a yeah. lot of White Sox and get a lot of Cub fans. So, okay, so I gotta check out a Cubs game when, when that time is, is, is available. No doubt. All right, man, well, good. Thank you uh, for coming on. I love having you, man. Um, I know it's gonna inspire a lot of people. So. God bless you, you and your family, and you guys stay safe. You too, bro. Thank you. All right. Yes, sir.